Welcome to an episode of the Dakota Resource Council podcast. It is January 20th when this is recorded, a Friday, and yes, it's a odd number of years, so our good friends in the state legislature are here and uh, trying to make some laws, some good, some bad, and uh, this podcast is aimed at letting you know what's good and bad. So first, we are our first two guests here. Executive Director Scott Skokas and DRC uh, Organizer Elliot Huggins. And we've got some bills here, so we're, we're going to start with our area issues. And since we have Elliot on with Scott, Elliot's been tracking, talking to legislators, talking to members. Guys, what do we got going on in the legislature? I know uh, we've got about eight bills out there for landowners and pipelines. What are we kind of concerned about the most here? Let's start with you, Scott. So as far as the landowner bills, um, the main thing to kind of point out, and Elliot will get into more detail than I will, because he's been tracking on these a lot more than I, but uh, what these bills do is essentially protect landowners from different things that uh, surrounding the uh, CO2 pipelines that are coming through North Dakota being proposed, like summit carbon solutions. Um, specifically, like the, the Keystone bills probably would be the bills um, around eminent domain. Um, there are two different bills around that. Um, and Elliot, you can probably give those numbers, but there's one um, that's sponsored by Senator Magrum that requires, that basically essentially makes it uh, illegal to use eminent domain for uh, CO2 pipelines. And then there's a second compromise bill that makes it uh, so the company has to get 85% of landowners signed on to easements before uh, they can access eminent domain proceedings in North Dakota. So those are two of the bigger ones that I think a lot of our um, landowners that DRC is working with around the pipeline are supporting, but there's other ones as well. And I'll, I'll defer to Elliot on those. Yeah. Thanks Scott. Um, and yeah, exactly to, to your point. Uh, those are, I would, I would agree the keystone bills. Um, there's actually two, a bill, two bills each um, for the pipeline itself. Um, and then there's also uh, two bills um, as well with a hundred percent, 85%. Um, for people who are located in the poor space uh, sequestration area uh, as well. Um, and then the only other thing I'd add um, on, on the 85% threshold, um, there's still a clause in the bill that allows local county commissions to increase that uh, threshold, even if they wanted to a little bit more. Um, so yeah, those are definitely the really, really big bills um, that people are definitely the most fired up on and looking forward to participate with. Also, just another thing on the poor space bill, uh, the current law doesn't even allow for uh, an eminent domain trial and proceeding to take place uh, to determine just compensation. Uh, currently, the Industrial Commission would just set that number, which I think is absolutely egregious. Um, you're you know, depriving landowners of that court process. Um, yeah, some other, um, just a inter couple of interesting ones. Um, the law is written so terribly right now where it basically says any company that wants to do a project can go on your land at any time um, and do a survey. Um, this would just make it uh, clear that you either need uh, landowner permission to do that, um, which is the case, you know, 90 plus percent of the time, or, you know, if someone refuses to grant that access, um, it makes clear in the century code um, that there's a legal and court process um, to determine that. A couple other ones. One would any eminent domain um, taking in North Dakota the value would get increased automatically by 33%. Another, you know, smaller one, but good bill as well. Um, that says if, you know, in the survey case, if a state, you know, cha challenged and tried to get access to the private property, 
Um, if the state lost, um, the state would have to reimburse those court costs as well. Um, and then, yeah, just another um, smaller, not as big as, like you said, the Keystone Bill, Scott, but another one I think is a really, really good bill. Um, any pipeline project that wants to be deemed a common carrier, uh, which means they have the right to eminent domain, before our Public Service Commission would grant the eminent domain taking ability, grant them common carrier status, uh, that company, pipeline company would be required to hold a public hearing in every county uh, that the project would impact. Um, I think it's common sense. Uh, our public process for PSC proceedings is greatly lacking compared to other states uh, here in the Midwest area. Um, and I just think it's a good opportunity for folks uh, to give input on projects. So, yeah. Um, and, and Elliot, what, isn't that the case in like Iowa and other states where they have hearings around um, the pipelines in every county? Um, yep. Once it gets to the public PUC or whatever uh, regulatory body they're supposed to be um, permitted through. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, it's a little bit different than what this would do, but very, very similar and kind of the same idea. Um, in Iowa, um, before uh, companies can even collect easements um, and start seeking them, they have to hold public hearings on the project um, in every county that's affected. Um, and then South Dakota as well. Um, before you know the official public service commission hearing dates, they have to hold public listening information sessions um, all around the pipeline route as well. Um, in North Dakota, we only get the official public, you know, legal hearing. Um, it's the only time you can be on record with the public service commission, which <laughs> I think is ridiculous. Um, and this bill would help you know clean that up a little bit, bring us more in line with other states um, allowing the public to participate. Elliot, could you provide the numbers for the two major bills as well as the common carrier bill? So the pipeline bill um, that would set the eighty-five percent threshold, both local two two oh nine sets it at eighty-five percent for the pipeline. Uh, with county commissions, I have the option to increase that eminent domain threshold. Uh, 2212 um, would eliminate completely eminent domain ability for carbon pipelines. 2228 um, removes eminent domain taking for uh, poor space of landowners um, and also um, would allow for a court process to determine just compensation. So uh, Senate Bill 2317 uh, um, would for the poor space landowners uh, would require the 85% threshold um, still with county commissions who can increase it. Um, and uh, just an important thing is that also we would set a just compensation process as well. And then the common carrier bill is uh, 2314. Like we said, it would require pipelines who want eminent domain to hold public hearings um, in every county the project would impact. So basically you've been busy. That's what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I've had to learn a lot uh, myself just about the legislative process, um, how to even just navigate the website, um, what's good to include in testimony. But yeah, I've definitely been busy uh, meeting with folks uh, next week. Uh, the hearings for the major bills are actually next Friday. Um, so next week, and I have a couple of Zoom meetings with people. Um, we actually have a county ordinance meeting next week as well. So yeah, it's it's been busy, but I'm really hoping it all comes together um, and we're able to make a good case uh, to the committee next week. And one last question, Elliot, for, around these bills. Who are some of the primary sponsors of these? So Senator Magrum is the main sponsor on all the bills. Most of the bills, if not all the bills, have co-sponsors in the House, um, which is well. Representatives Hoverson, Olson, Pritchard, um, we're just coming off the top of my head. Yeah, there's there's actually a decent amount of co-sponsors on all the bills, which I think is encouraging. 
just just letting people know if any of their representatives are a part of that. So that's the main reason I was asking that question. Obviously, anyone can go to the legislative website and um, look at our legislative update later this week that you'll probably get this weekend. And uh, you can contact your legislators and we'll have a button that allows you to do that. So. Yeah. Thanks, yes. Elliot. Yes. And yeah. thank you, Elliot. Yeah. We appreciate it. And if anyone has any questions for Elliot, you can email him at Elliot, that's E L I O T, at drcinfo.com. He is the man with the uh, carbon bill plan, I guess. Appreciate <laughs> it. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> all right. So, uh, and just a reminder to all those bills that Elliot listed off, um, they, they will be in your legislative update inbox from Dakota Resource Council if you don't get those and you are a member uh you can email info at drcinfo.com and uh mary will send me an email saying this person's a member they're not getting it so we'll try again get your email address and 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 you'll get that so so uh the legislative update uh, we're planning on sending out weekly updates on all the bills that concern every issue area for dakota resource council members so um, you just go there, check it out. Have any questions, just uh, email DRC. We'll get you in hold of the right person tracking it and, and, and doing the lobbying work on it. So uh, there, there is your carbon pipeline update, I guess, in the uh, state legislature. Uh, we still have Scott Skokas here on the line. And uh, moving to another I- area issue in, in ag, we've got some... Uh, corporate farming things going on scott what do we have going on that end yeah so we have deja vu of the 2015 session all over again but worse um (laughs) and the bill number is 13 hb 1371 and that bill specifically exempts all essentially all animal agriculture from the corporate farming law as well as a lot of other practices like aguatecture cattle feeding lots um marijuana growing, um, and all kinds of other value-added agriculture from uh, the anti-corporate farming law. What is very ironic about all of this is the same bill is being essentially pushed by our governor, Governor Burgum, who during his first primary as uh, when he ran for governor, um, there was a question on the ballot that was brought forth by Farmers Union, Dakota Resource Council, and others to uh, essentially get rid of a bill that was passed in 2015 that repealed uh, part of the anti-corporate farming law. And uh, that that vote actually rendered more votes than Burgum got in the primary to essentially get rid of that law that was passed in 2015 that exempted um, hogs and other uh, animals from the anti-corporate farming law. So it's almost like the governor doesn't quite realize uh, that the people in North Dakota really do like our anti-corporate farming law. And uh, just forgets that uh, this this is not something that we want or need, um, and uh, it's it's just very strange. Uh, today there was actually an op-ed from the governor in uh, the Fargo Forum, which basically said, "Oh my God, North Dakota is so far behind in all these kinds of agriculture because we can't uh, pool capital really easily," um, and that's just really simply not true. Um, North Dakota has a history of developing cooperatives where farmers and ranchers all get together um, and, and start pulling capital to, uh, to do different operations. The Century Code requires five farmers and ranchers to come together to do that, and that's really not that difficult to do, especially if you're trying to get a, uh, a cooperative venture um, 
up and running. Um, the one thing that I'll say with this law is that what this will do is essentially open North Dakota up to uh, corporate ownership of our farmland, which could be a devastating effect. It'll also bring in large-scale animal agriculture like hog CAFOs, chicken CAFOs, turkey CAFOs, um, where you'll have all kinds of feces that has to get spread on fields that then eventually will run off into our waterways. For example, the city, the, the city of Des Moines in Iowa, um, where they have corporate agriculture right next to that city, has had to spend millions and millions of dollars to treat their water so it can be drinkable. And that is primarily due to runoff as well as the feces that comes from these different feedlot operations that have been um, dotting the landscape of Iowa. So I'm really not sure why our governor and others are pushing for this and calling our, our law that's been protecting our state from this kind of agriculture for almost 100 years um, archaic. I think it actually is a very good protection and the members of DRC and other organizations like Farmers Union and our partners in labor would agree that this law is a very good protection for our state um, because one, studies prove that uh, when family farms, uh, fam families own farmland, there is better stewardship of that land. Um, and once corporations come in, the farmland is no longer treated like um, a family would treat it and it's rather treated almost like a mine where they can use the farmland um, to produce a product to sell and they don't necessarily care about um, the long-term uh, viability of that land as long as it's continuing to make that profit. Um, so that's what we're going to be seeing here if this thing passes. Um, the hope from our end is that we can at least hamstring this a little bit and uh, if it ultimately does pass, then we will try to refer this to the voters to repeat what happened in 2016, where 76% of North Dakotans told uh, our state legislature, we don't want you to change our anti-corporate farming law. We want it to stay the same. So um, I think there's a lot of opportunities here for us to express our uh, discontent with this with this proposed law um, coming up. Um, I've heard through the, through the rumor mill that a hearing might be next Friday or the following Friday. Um, so look for um, updates from us in the coming weeks and days about this. And we would love to have as many people show up to the Capitol to say, we don't want corporate farming in North Dakota. So this seems to be a reoccurring theme every five years. Then uh, keep on having to fight this off, Scott, because, uh, yeah, it's it's just not a good thing for North Dakota. And they may call it archaic, but uh our landowners, farmers, and ranchers seem to be pretty happy with the way things are right now. Yeah, I mean, that's what I would say. And I think in a lot of ways, our governor's ear has been bent by uh, big agribusiness as well as billionaire, the billionaire class that wants to come in and buy our farmland, like his friend Bill Gates, as well as others like Bruce Radstatter, who uh, is the CEO of Summit Carbon Solutions, who also... Um, is a big booster for the CAFO industry in Iowa and other states. Um, so we, as well as a lot of other larger um, operations that have probably bent his ear and said, oh God, we would love to spend a bunch of money in North Dakota, but you guys really have this old law that let, doesn't let us buy farmland. And like my answer to that is, well, good. We don't want you here. Um, yeah. And I, I would say that most North Dakotans and most TRC members would say, nope, we don't need you here. It's just a kind of a crazy moment um, where uh, the governor is actively doing something that does not pull well at all with North Dakotans. 
Yeah, I'm just trying to vision in my head how things would be if uh, corporations were taking over farmland. Oh, you drive around the Bowman area and like, oh, that's the Brewer land and that's the Brooks land and that could change too. Well, that's Summit Corporation land and that's Bill Gates land. It's uh, definitely would change some things in these uh, rural areas. So uh, yeah, and I mean the the effect of corporate farming in most of the other states that have have wide scale wide scale for corporate farming is you lose those small towns the bowman's the the, the uh rain, like rain bowman uh elgin all these small towns that rely on family farms and um the associated infrastructure that supports those family farms wouldn't necessarily be needed if we had these large corporations running the farms because they would essentially ship in their own equipment, et cetera. And we wouldn't necessarily need these small towns and the cafes and the things that make North Dakota's small rural areas great. That would be essentially the uh, the end game here. And in a lot of ways, if you look at what the governor, and I'm not trying to sound like it's conspiracy theorist when I say this, but if you look at the trajectory that the governor and some others in the state are trying to take us towards, with things like uh, grand farms and other things like that, I see a future that a dystopian future here. If this continues to go this direction, where we essentially have corporations owning farms and operating um, robot uh, machinery from uh, miles and miles away, and we don't necessarily need families anymore on the land, and that's just a really sad dystopian uh, future if that does come true. And that is the slippery slope that we're going on if we do pass this law. Not that that would happen anytime soon, but it's possible. Yeah. So, well, uh, thank you for uh, you know coming on here and explaining a few things. Once again, this uh, DRC podcast. It'll if if you subscribe to the podcast, it'll be on your phone, but also to the members, it'll be attached to this uh legislative update with all the bills that we're watching we just believe it or not we just touched on a little bit we have other issue areas other bills and if you have any questions on those you know contact our drc office and we'll get you in touch with the uh, right person tracking those so once again have any questions comments concerns let us know otherwise we'll uh, try to do this podcast a couple of times a month uh maybe some emergency podcasts but uh be prepared. You know, we're tracking them. There'll be hearings. You can uh, jump on in person or on Zoom for some of these hearings. And once again, the organizers will help you out with that. And uh, just just be ready because it is legislative time and there's some crazy bills that could hurt our DRC members. So uh, just uh, we need you guys on deck and be ready to step up to the plate. So with that, Scott, uh, if you don't have anything else, I guess we can uh, mosey on, get through the weekend, and uh, start start on Monday all over again with the legislature. For sure. Well, thanks a lot, John. Thank you, Scott. We'll talk to you all, all later. Right.